yo, yo, coming at you like Cleopatra. It's the Mint Configuration Horror Podcast. I'm your main man, Greg Knox, joined as always by the incredibly busy Reoffend. Hello, Greg. Yes, I have been incredibly busy. <laughs> okay, are you going to tell us uh, specifically what you've been doing? Or it's just that, yeah, I've been busy, been washing my hair. You yeah, know. <laughs> you know, watching <laughs> horror movies and stuff. No, um, yeah, I've been getting into a bit of acting. Um, was in a, a big budget feature movie and with a small part that's probably going to be out next year, which I uh, can't really talk about. Oh, so, you, non-disclosure agreement, I'm sure. Yeah, vague booking, as they would say on Facebook, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, non-disclosure and all that I've signed. So um, when it comes out, we can we can talk about it anyway, can't we? So hopefully not yeah, too awesome. long. Have you been in a music video as well, haven't you? I've been in a couple, yeah. Um, I've been in the Calyx and TB new drum and bass intravenous video on roller skates, which is now out on YouTube. And I've, I'm also in the sexy, satanic new Heretic Order video. which Sexy, is, satanic. I love it. Yeah, which is also on YouTube. And all of this stuff is um, on my public modeling page as Reoffend or on my Twitter and on my Instagram in the usual places. So you can have a look at the videos if you want to. Awesome. I definitely will check that out. I have not been very busy. I've been doing kind of the usual shit that I always do, i.e. watching lots of films and things of that nature. So Same, um, same. Yeah. And today's show is all themed around a very um, informative list because everybody loves a list. And basically, me and Greg have got to do something whilst we're tilling, killing time for Halloween, so... Yeah, absolutely. So everyone <laughs> does love a list. I love a list. So what I thought I would do for the show today is on the last show, we finished watching all 72 video nasties. Holy and so, hell. <laughs> yeah. What is there to do after that, but to rank them from worst to best? <laughs> because... Yeah. Everyone loves lists, exactly. So this is going to take quite a long time. Um, This show is uh, probably more action-packed than a straight-to-DVD Steven Seagal movie. (laughs) So we don't want to take too long kind of getting through the preamble. Um, But yeah, the point of the show today is if you've listened to all of our shows before, great, thank you very much for doing that, then this is kind of a nice little compendium to do at the end to see, well, which ones did Greg like, which ones did Rhea like, etc. Yeah, However, we're going to attempt to keep it concise, we're going to attempt to just whiz through each one, and we're also going to compare our lists, which um, we're doing blind, so I don't know what Greg's list is like, and he doesn't know what mine is like, and they're probably going to be very different. <laughs> Yes, which is all part of the fun. However, if you've never listened to a video nasty show before, or indeed you've listened to some but not all of them, you're slacking if you've not done that, um, then really, um, first of all, I would encourage you to go back through our archives on iTunes or on YouTube or on all the places that host our podcast and listen back through because really we're not going to go into a lot of detail on the films themselves, otherwise we'll be here for hours and you know, no one wants to listen to a podcast that's like four hours long. Yeah. So if you hear about any of the films that you might like in this show, because we're going to give you a few tips and tidbits, um, then you can go back and pick and choose which ones you want to listen to based on what we say today. And probably based on our top tens and even bottom five, because, hey, everybody loves a bad, good horror movie. 
uh, <laughs> you say bad good. Some of these are just plain awful, exactly. as we will uh, discuss in a minute. So, without further ado, Ria, are you ready? I'm ready, yeah. All right, let's go. So, uh, my number 72, so the worst of the very worst video nasties, and you'll be not shocked to hear that I've chosen The Ghastly Ones, otherwise known as Blood Rites, by Andy Milligan, which is completely borderline unwatchable. It's got some of the worst camera work I've ever seen in a movie. Uh, Characters just talk for the whole movie. It's awful. And to make it worse, something I didn't mention in the review is Milligan actually remade this film as Legacy of Blood. So clearly he thought it was so good he wanted to do it all again. Don't know why. It's fucking terrible. And this is an excellent way to start. I have also put that one at the bottom of my list. And I think we both knew all along that this was going to make number 72. It's untoppably bad. Um, It's in black and white. It's not available on DVD. So to top all that off, you'll have to watch it on some crappy VHS transfer on YouTube. Um, And yeah, there's really not a lot to this. It is mind-numbingly boring. If you can watch this and stay awake, kudos to you. Number 71, so second worst film on the list, is Revenge of the Boogeyman by Uli Lamel. As the laziest film on the list, 30 minutes of this film is recycled from The Boogeyman itself. It looks like it was shot for about £5. Um, It's pretty boring. It's got a really shit ending. The only thing memorable about it is some of the deaths, particularly Death by Electric Toothbrush. One of my favourites. Um, and I could totally understand why the recycled footage film would make your number 71, but my number 71 is one that stuck in my mind as being mind-numbingly boring. I miss you hugs and kisses. Be it just for the title, this film does not belong on the video nasty list. It is it is not a horror film. And yeah, I mean, it's just very slow, very long-winded. I'm sure Greg has a lot to say about this too when we reach it in his list. Um, it's it's definitely not a horror. <laughs> yeah, it's a very bad film. Number 70, I've got another bad film, arguably maybe slightly worse than that. It's Cannibal Terror, which is very funny for about five minutes, uh, particularly the really, really mind-numbling, terrible dialogue, like, you mind your own ass, my ass says go fuck yourself, <laughs> and, and nice fies, hmm, you can say that again, hmm, nice fies. Uh, and the bit with a child talking, no, it's blatantly an adult talking about the paper cat. Um, other than that, the film is very, very, very boring. There's few sections where nothing happens, and the film is basically a complete piece of shit. Other than that. <laughs> Okay, coming in at my number 70, um, it's Revenge of the Boogeyman. We have mentioned before that this film brings nothing to the horror format because basically if you've seen the first one, which is pretty good, you know, it's quite fun. um, If you watch the second one, you've basically already seen it all before. It's incredibly lazy. I don't even know why they put this film out. So that's my number 70. And my number 69, lol, is Devil Hunter. Uh, by Jess Franco. Uh, It's a cannibal movie. Jess Franco didn't want to make this, and it really, really shows. There's about a million zooms. It's got hilariously bad special effects, particularly ping pong balls for eyes. (laughs) It's far too long, and there's about a million zooms. It's just fucking terrible. Just don't watch it. Agree. (laughs) Okay, my number 69, lol, is um, Frozen Scream. Some of the worst dialogue in a student shot 
film that you will ever see in your life. Everybody in this film was paid nothing. I don't even think they were giving catering. And it really shows. It is just the absolute worst. I mean, it might be higher up Greg's list because it's laughably bad. But for me, this was four from the bottom. My number 68 set in Argentina where life is cheap or, well, the movies are certainly cheap anyway, is Snuff, um, which is a very, very incomprehensibly badly dubbed movie where nothing happens for long periods of time, zero likable characters, basically vaguely based on Charles Manson. And it's so bad that the producers got rid of the original ending and put on an ending where it's supposed to be like someone killing someone for real except it looks ridiculous now um yeah just yeah that's the only bit that's really interesting and it's really not okay fantastic my number 68 is visiting hours which is actually not that bad a film but i just found this really difficult to watch um i just didn't find anything that interesting about it it's basically set in a hospital like i said it's not really that bad but it just stuck in my mind as one that i didn't particularly enjoy that much wow poor visiting hours (laughs) my number 67 riz already mentioned it it's frozen scream which is a very, very, very badly made film, but it's absolutely hilarious because everyone appears to be a frozen zombie, like in the film. Um, Particular mention should be given to Renee Harmon, who is a producer of the film, who plays kind of the, the villain in the film, who speaks in a way that just, you know, I can't even really describe. It's that awful. Um, no idea what's going on for most of the film, but it does have a certain kind of so bad it's good charm to it, I must admit. <laughs> Fantastic. My number 67 is Delirium which uh, there are about three films with this name, so it always takes ages to track this one down. Um, This is probably an unreleased DVD film as well, so you might end up having to find this on YouTube or some crappy version. Add to that that the theme tune is Mastermind theme tune, um, which is on the soundtrack for this film quite a lot, and it's about um, lots of uh, ex-war vets with uh, PTSD and... um, yeah, I mean, it's just a load of crap. It's laughably bad, but it did stick in my mind as one that particularly kind of irritated me and I just could not take seriously. Uh, my number 66, Rhea's already mentioned it as well. It's I Miss You Hugs and Kisses, also known as Drop Dead Dearest, which looks like a made-for-TV movie. I have no idea how it made the Video Nasties list, even though Rhea did say she thought it should have been a Video Nasty. It's a courtroom drama based on actual true stories. It's not a lie for a change. Um, Yeah, just no idea how it made the list. It's really boring. Okay, so my number 66 is Human Experiments, um, which is a very dull women in prison film. Not quite sure how it made this list. Incredibly mind-numbingly boring. And yeah, just didn't enjoy it. Nothing really to report on that. Um, My number 65 is Delirium, which is not a very exciting film at all. All I will say is da, 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 da. (laughs) All right, then. Um, So my number 65 is Snuff, which at the time was supposed to look like a real Snuff movie, but is incredibly cheaply made, is uh, very difficult to take seriously. And in this day and age, it looks absolutely ridiculous. Um, as Greg has already mentioned, this is a terrible film. My number 64 
is human experiments, not actually about experiments on humans, as the title suggests. It's actually, <laughs> a, it's actually a very, very, very boring women in prison film about a singer who can't sing. And it's got a couple of okay sort of hallucination type things, but it's pretty boring. And to demonstrate that, the first time I watched it, as uh, I mentioned on the show where we reviewed it, I fell asleep. My 64 is SS Experiment Camp. Now, telling the difference between all of these exploitation films is quite difficult to remember, actually. But this one was by far the most crass um the most shockingly weird, sexual, and just unnecessary, um, but overall not enjoyable. Some of the other ones, you know, a little bit higher up the list, but SX Experiment Camp was one that I have put lower down the list as I didn't really feel the benefit of watching this film. So coming in at number 63 for me is Forest of Fear, also known as Toxic Zombies, which is basically a film about hippie zombies, um, as we mentioned on the show we reviewed it, the film was clearly quite a sincere effort from the director, who's also the actor, lead actor and the writer and editor, etc. But the film is just pretty bad. Um, the sets are quite cheap. Um, there's too many characters in it. It's just not a very good film overall, but say his heart was in the right place. Okay, my number 63 is Devil Hunter. Yet again, Greg has referenced this before. Ping pong balls for eyes, demon runs up rampages around an island killing people it's completely ridiculous um it's higher up my list than ss experiment camp just because i found it bad good and quite laughable so i've got quite fond memories of talking about this previously on the podcast and laughing about this with greg (laughs) (laughs) okay at my number 62 i've got the infamous faces of death Um, which is a very graphic film, very shocking in some ways. However, it's too long. It's like an hour and 45 minutes, and the film really doesn't have a point other than to shock, so it's just quite repetitive. Um, Some of the scenes are fake, and they're obviously ridiculously fake, like the monkey brain scene, and there's a bear attack, which is ridiculous, and there's very hilariously inappropriate music as well, which is quite sort of blackly comic. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just didn't find it that interesting overall. Fair enough. Um, My number 62, The Witch Who Came From The Sea. Um, I think probably Greg enjoyed this more than I did. Um, It's not actually about a witch. It's about a woman who had a troubled upbringing with her father, and she goes a bit insane. Um, it's quite sort of 60s-esque. Um, it was interesting and quite funny in places, but for some reason some parts of this film grated on me a bit, so I have put it considerably lower down the list. At my number 61 is Love Kemp 7. <laughs> now, I cannot guarantee that you will love Love Kemp 7, but I can guarantee you love the commandant in Love Camp 7 as he is the only good part of Love Camp 7 as the rest of Love Camp 7 is garbage from the cheap sets to the bad acting, bad editing and long pointless sex scenes. Love Camp 7. <laughs> awesome. So um, my number 61 is Cannibal Terror. Um one of the the worst cannibal movies in this lot. Um, It's just very difficult to watch. Not a lot happens. And yeah, I mean, 
quite unmemorable for me. I don't, I'm not sure about Greg, but it wasn't really that interesting. Apart from the funny bits. Yeah, apart from some funny parts. <laughs> okay, at number 60, I have another Jess Franco film. This is Women Behind Bars. Um, this is a woman in prison film that's actually sleazy, unlike human experiments. Um, it's got many, many zooms into like women's vaginas and things like that. <laughs> Um, it's not a really a very interesting film. Not really a lot happens. Um, it's still quite sleazy, but other than that, it's just a bit meh, really. Okay, yeah. <laughs> My number 60 is Fight for Your Life. Um, it's a, a racist um, exploitation film. And yeah, I mean, it's not overall a badly made film. It's It's quite okay, actually, to watch. But um, for some reason, I just didn't find this that entertaining or interesting, and the kind of the racism is really hard to watch, and it's particularly grating. So for me, I couldn't find anything that made it like an exciting watch. So I've put it quite far down the list because it did kind of irritate me in places. Okay, uh, number fifty-nine. I've got SS Experiment Camp, which Rhea's already mentioned. Um, this is the heartwarming story of one man's search for a new set of balls. <laughs> Um, this is interestingly the only Nazi exploitation film that I didn't think should have been a video nasty and neither did Rhea so as you can tell it's probably not even really all that interesting it's not a bad film it's just a bit kind of sedate and it's just not yeah it's just not really all that interesting Uh, and plus it doesn't help that the women don't seem to mind that they're having all these experiments done on them which is like a bit dubious Um, although it does have the immortal line how you've been doing with my balls which is great (laughs) maybe worth seeing just for that but still pretty low down the uh, ranking yeah (laughs) my number 59 is the beast in heat which is a ridiculous um, film about a man beast that goes around raping women. Um, it's just absolutely, um, it's disturbing as hell. It's disgusting. And that's why it's quite low down my list because um, once you've seen this, you can't unsee it. It's kind of not amazing. It's quite a bad film, but it, it's also, it kind of sticks in your mind for the wrong reasons. Well, it's funny you should mention that because uh, my number 58 is also The Beast in Heat. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's I agree with what Rhea said there, to be honest. It's not a good film. It's a very badly made film in a lot of ways. Um, it's got an awful score. It's got one of the worst scores I've ever heard in any movie. It just sounds like Old Beast or something. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just hilarious, and it's in such bad taste. It also features such amazing things as pubeating. Uh, a model plane, which is supposed to be a real plane, uh, and guinea pigs painted black. Oh my god, yeah. Forgot about those yeah. guinea pigs. Nice mention yeah. there. <laughs> but it is very entertaining nonetheless, even though it's really trashy and shit. <laughs> Gotta love those guinea pigs. My number 58 is Man from Deep River. Yet another cannibal movie um, set on an island, uh, typically as with the rest of them that we mentioned on the video, Nasty's Roster. Um, It's actually quite a well-made film, and it's actually interesting in parts, but it really grated on me the kind of uh, sexist remarks and um, mansplaining that the main character does to the female tribes and some of the things that happen with um, pregnancy and with him kind of being the hero. um, 
getting his pick of the women from the tribe, it just uh, irritated me. I think if you refer back to our previous um, episode where we actually do review this in full, I go on a massive rant about it. So that's why it's lower down my list. It was a very entertaining rant. You're not wrong. (laughs) Number 57, I've got Don't Go In The Woods, which, although you're not supposed to go in them, are the busiest woods I've ever seen in a film. It's very incoherent. There doesn't appear to be a plot apart from there's some woodsman killing people in the woods. No idea about any of the characters. Most of the characters just appear, die, and then that's it. Um, it's unintentionally hilarious when it tries to be serious and not funny when it tries to be funny. It's really not paced very well. It is, however, kind of perversely entertaining in spite of all that, though. I wouldn't say it's, like, unwatchable, so I do almost kind of recommend it as a so-bad-it's-good watch. Excellent. My number 57 is Don't Go Near the Park, which is yet another one of those don't films that is incredibly bad and uh, Linnea Quigley is in it which is great but it's set in lots of different time points jumps around and yeah it's just a really badly made film with terrible dialogue and terrible acting well again funnily enough you should mention that because my number 56 is don't go near the park which it does cover three time periods it's absolutely batshit insane doesn't really make sense plot is very hard to follow, really. Um, it is, however, quite hilarious in places, um, particularly there's a scene where the main character gets picked up by these three creepy guys in a van, and then the van explodes like an atom bomb went off inside it. Um, and, and also, don't forget your favourite bit of the film, Laser Beams for Eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's terrible. You might want to watch it just because it's so bad, but oh, I'm not sure if it's a repeat watch. <laughs> 56 for me is one called Blood Feast, which is a 1963 film, um, and it's about an Egyptian caterer killing various women. Um, It's so bad that it is actually quite funny, directed by Herschel Gordon-Lewis, but at the same time, it's a terrible movie. You will just laugh all the way through, uh, particularly at our Egyptian caterer's eyebrows. (laughs) Yeah, they are awesome eyebrows, aren't they? Um, My number 55 is a film that was actually very heavily inspired by Blood Feast, and we talked about on the same show. It's Mardi Gras Massacre, which is hilariously funny. I love Mardi Gras Massacre so much. It is shit, but the, the guy who's the killer, he talks in this way that no one else in real life would ever talk, because he puts so many pauses in between sort of his words when he talks. Um, it is very, very, very hilarious and watchable. It's kind of a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, as I said, the film is bad, though, so don't expect it to be like some hidden gem masterpiece. But yeah, it does come recommended from me if you want a so bad it's good one. My number 55 is one called The Dawn That Drip Blood, which is basically college students being stalked by an unknown killer whilst being on campus over Christmas holidays. Uh, not a lot really happens. It's all shot in very dark surroundings. Um, it's your typical kind of generic horror plot, uh, trying to be a slasher movie, but not all that great. 
Okay, at number 54, I've got my first Jallo on the list, which is The Killer Nun. So this is a cross between a Jallo and a non-exploitation film. Um, it's got a couple of good scenes in it, which are hallucination-type scenes, and the film is shot kind of well, but it's got lots of bad acting in it. There's a massive cheesy section in the middle where the main character like goes out of the convent and tries to pick up a man. Um, it was very, very predictable to guess who the killer was, and the film overall is just kind of silly. Yeah. <laughs> My number 54 is one called Night School, which is a murder mystery, a murderer in a, a motorbike helmet who's been going around decapitating innocent girls at a local school. Um, it's actually quite good in places, but, you know, it's nothing that special. It's nothing that I would kind of repeat watch, but it's okay. Okay, uh, number 53, I've got The Slayer, which is a film that should be way better than it actually is because it has a really good concept. The concept is very similar to the concept of Nightmare on Elm Street, um, but it's got two massive issues with it. First of all, the dialogue is basically everyone explaining the plot to each other, which is not very good, and the middle is ridiculously slow because there's a character that goes missing and characters spend ages trying to find them, and it's just really slow. Um, it does have a really good pitchfork death in it that I might have mentioned once or twice during the series. Oh, and it's got a shit ending as well. My number 53, incredibly, is the exact same film. It's The Slayer. Um, oh, wow. Again, it's disappointing for the title. Um, it should have been so much better. Um, it is like a cheap man's version of Nightmare on Elm Street and nowhere near as good. It's very slow. There's one decent death with a pitchfork. That's all we can say about this film. <laughs> Okay, so we already mentioned Revenge of the Boogeyman. Uh, my number 52 is The Boogeyman, which is obviously a lot better than Revenge of the Boogeyman. Um, it's kind of cool in certain aspects. I like the score, and I think it's got an interesting idea because it's about a killer... Well, it's not a killer mirror as such, but it's about a mirror and it causes people to die. Um, other than that, though, it's kind of silly... In places, some of the acting is a bit dodgy. Um, it's almost too straight. It's almost a bit too serious for what it's trying to do. But not like, I don't know, I would kind of recommend it, I guess. Yeah, cool. So my number 52 is The Cannibal Man, um, which is, it's about a butcher that accidentally kills somebody and then kind of accidentally kills some more people. Um, it's not really that interesting. It's not nowhere near as interesting as I've made it sound there. Um, and there's a slaughterhouse involved, which sounds like it should be great. But overall, it's quite a mediocre film. So not one to really recommend. Coming in at number 51, I've got Night of the Demon in Demon Vision. Um, this is a bit of a cheesy one um, because what happens is every five minutes you'll get a really awesome death. Uh, highlights of deaths include the best sleeping bag death ever, which is <laughs> awesome, um, and a biker getting his penis ripped off and, <laughs> and someone getting whipped with their own intestines, which is obviously awesome. But other than that, the film isn't particularly very exciting. And also because the version we watched was so kind of cheap and clearly a VHS rip, you can't really see a lot of what's going on when it's dark. So, yeah. But it is quite fun. I would recommend it for that regard, I guess. 
Yeah, nice. So my number 51 is the mockumentary Faces of Death, which was all passed off at the time as a real collection of death scenes. Um, it ranges from TV material to homemade. And um, yeah, I mean, I quite like this, actually. It is long, um, but I'm putting it at number 51 because I think it's one of those staple horrors that you can watch um, as historically something that started off a lot of mockumentary um, feature films and things like that so there's a lot that looks quite fake in it but there's also some really interesting things in there that can look quite real okay so my number 50 is one that Rhea's already mentioned it's dormant drip blood otherwise known as pranks um, so as Rhea's already mentioned the version that we saw was very dark so it was quite difficult to really make out what was going on um, it's got very bad acting in it it's a bit dull there is something about it though which I like which is that the deaths are actually very very vicious so it's got that over sort of quite similar films of this type it does also have really shit pranks in it for a film called Pranks so yeah <laughs> Coming in at my number 50, uh, specifically because it's so bad that you might need to watch this, it's an exploitation film, Love Camp 7. Um, <laughs> Greg has already mentioned this with the over-the-top German campy accents, and it's basically two female army agents going undercover to try and get information from sci scientists at the uh, Nazi prison camp. And yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous, um, but as far as an exploitation films go, I found it quite interesting. It's, these are some of the first ones that I'd ever watched, and I think it is historically one to note. It's definitely historical in that regard, yes. Number 49, I've got Unhinged, a film with a ridiculous score that is basically drum, 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 like that, and also <laughs> has uh, acting that is a mixture of so wooden that you can make furniture out of it and ridiculously over the top. It's got a very off-kilter atmosphere. The film feels kind of odd, um, it's not a good film by any stretch of the imagination, but considering not a lot happens in it, it's actually quite watchable and it's got a good ending. I'll give it that. Um, yeah, you could actually do a lot worse. It's not a good film, but it's also not really a bad film either. <laughs> Great. My number 49 is Forest of Fear, also known as Toxic Zombies. So um, hippie zombies that get crop sprayed by a passing airplane and they're poisoned and turn into zombie-like mutants. It's a really bad film, but technically it's hilarious. So you could watch this with a couple of beers or something with some friends. And, you know, it is quite fun. Uh, dialogue is terrible. It's really over the top. But hey, you know, I quite enjoyed this. Now, I'm surprised that I've got this higher than Rhea, because at my number 48, I've got Blood Feast, <laughs> which is sort of one of the sort of ultimate sort of B-movies, because this is like the oldest video nasty. It's directed by Herschel Gordon Lewis. Um, it's got incredibly cheap effects, both in the gore and in the interiors, which are clearly sets. It does have our hilarious Egyptian caterer, Fuad Ramses, in his eyebrows. It's got um, that newspaper headline, Legs Cut Off, that I love so much. Um, so yeah, it is definitely one of the better sort of so bad it's good video nasties. Um, it's not a great film by any stretch of the imagination, but it's only about 70 minutes long and it's quite entertaining. Mm -hmm. Be it archaic, it is entertaining. <laughs> um, my number 48 is the infamous Mardi Gras Massacre. 
<laughs> um, I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's really entertaining. It's so bad that it's good. It's set in New Orleans. Um, the police are trying to find somebody who's committing ritual murders during the Mardi Gras of women. Um, and it is just absolutely hilarious how even the lead actor and killer speaks to women um, and lures them in to do these uh, ritual killings in his little uh, sex dungeon. Um, <laughs> you absolutely must listen to the podcast where we review this in full because it's hilarious. But as a summary, I think you should probably watch this because it's so terrible. I can definitely agree with that. At my number 47, I've got Contamination by Luigi Cozzi. It's basically a film about eggs that makes people's stomachs explode. <laughs> um, this has really atrociously bad dialogue. Um, there's one particular scene where one of the characters mentions that, you know, you, better, you couldn't get it up and you would need to use a crane or something like that it was absolutely hilarious um it's got a score by goblin which is okay not really that great um a lot of people say this is a rip-off valian i would say this is more like a shit james bond film something in the style of like moonraker or something like that um it's not a bad film it's quite well made in a lot of regards but it's pretty boring <laughs> agree um, my number 47 is one called Expose. Um, it's starring Udo Kier. It's about a paranoid writer trying to get his second novel out. He hires a secretary and she turns out to be fucking insane. It's more of a thriller than a horror, to be honest. And the other name for it is Trauma. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting in places. A little strange, but not it doesn't have as much bite as i would like it's quite um predictable so hence it's my number 47 cool uh coming at 46 i've got absurd by joe damato it's basically a ripoff of halloween i found the first 30 minutes of this really boring but then it did pick up it's got some very gory deaths which is always a good thing if you're going to make a film like this really good score that we mentioned on the show and it's got a couple of good suspense sequences, particularly near the end, because it's got George Eastman as a killer and he's got a lot of presence. So he was good. Other than that, though, it's just all right. It's not something I would particularly highly recommend, to be honest. Yeah. My number 46, as Greg has already mentioned, is Contamination. Bit of an alien ripoff. Um, it features alien pod spores filled with flesh dissolving acid that explodes in people's stomach which is all stemmed from a south american coffee plantation which i think is awesome to involve um coffee in a horror film two of my favorite things um it kind of reminds me a little bit of um street trash or the stuff in that sense um as it's a product that then kind of goes wrong and causes death um it's fairly entertaining and there are some special effects at the end that are quite funny and quite fun to watch um but yeah not remarkable just quite entertaining it's one that Ria's already mentioned number 45 we've got expose otherwise known as trauma or the house on straw hill does feature udo kia not using his german accent which is very unfortunate it's the only british video nasty so you do get a lot of nice shots of rural england and there's a couple of interesting moments in there, but for a thriller, it's very, very predictable. I mean, Rhea's basically already told you what happens in the film, but <laughs> really you could have guessed that within about two minutes. 
Um, interestingly, just as a little side note, Linda Hayden absolutely hates this film. It's actually her least favourite film that she was ever in, which if you watch the film, if you see the amount of times that she has to masturbate in the film, it's not really surprising, to be honest. I'm not surprised either. Um, my number 45 is Don't Go in the Woods, specifically a lot higher up than Greg's because I enjoyed this because I thought it was hilarious. It's so, so, so bad. There's a lot of campy pink clothing in this. Um, there's a couple in a like trailer trash um, honeymoon trailer. Um, there's a guy who gets decapitated on a wheelchair. Um, and it's basically what it says on the tin. Um, there are a lot of people in the woods that get killed off by uh, a murderer killing tourists. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, it's hilarious. And yeah, I mean, I would probably watch this again, actually, even just for that couple in the in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would watch it again. It's not unwatchable, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not good. Tra- traditional filmmaking standards. As is number 44 on my list, which is another fun one in a similar vein, which is Night of the Bloody Apes. This is a Mexican film. It's made in the 60s. It does feature a lot of cool Mexican stuff like Lucha Libre, at least female Lucha Libre, to put it at that. Um, It's very cheap. Um, One of the key scenes does feature a man obviously in a gorilla costume which is supposed to be a real gorilla, which is, yeah, hilarious when you see it. Um, The review if you listen back to the show, did feature Miss Fend, coining the term ape rape during the <laughs> review of this film. Um, it's very fun. It's not a boring film at all. I do highly recommend it. It is not a very good film, though. <laughs> My number 44 is one of our uh, cannibal movies that we reviewed early on in the podcast series, Cannibal Apocalypse, um, which is basically um, Vietnam vets that bring back a contagious virus turns people into cannibals when they get bitten um it's yeah they've got nam flashbacks in this um it's just not really that amazing um and it's kind of a bit like a zombie rage film in that sense where uh, they bring the virus back um but i mean it's not a bad film but it's just really not that amazing compared to the other cannibal movies Cool. At number 43, I've got another So Bad It's Good film. This is Zombie Creeping Flesh, otherwise known as Virus or Hell of the Living Dead. So this is directed by Bruno Mattai, who's one of the worst Italian directors of all time. This actually might be his best film, which is saying something. Um, what he's done is he's taken about 800 different elements and thrown them all together in a film. So it's a zombie film, mainly. Um, he's t- stolen the score from Dawn of the Dead that Goblin did. It's a great score, so it works really well. He's got Mondo elements. You've got War elements um you've got some really bad dubbing you've got random animal stock footage including elephants for some reason and you've also got the main character taking all her clothes off and painting herself like a cannibal just in the middle of the jungle which was absolutely hilarious um as i said it's not a very good film at all but it's very entertaining so yeah that's why i've got it quite high up on my list Okay, yeah, number 43 for me is Mountain of the Cannibal God. Again, keeping those cannibal films reasonably low down the list for the most part because um, they do kind of all blend into one, like with these. And um, it's basically um, a girl and her brother flying to New Guinea to look for lost tribesmen. Um, and um, they get into fights and it's the usual 
tribe um, animal cruelty featuring cannibal film but nothing really that notable for me upon watching this cool um so my number 42 is a film that ria's already mentioned it's a cannibal film as well it's man from deep river also known as deep river savages by umberto lenzi um compared to his other cannibal film this is pretty well directed it's pretty well written it looks nice however there's a lot of aspects of this that I didn't really find that interesting, not the more kind of sexist stuff that Rhea mentioned in her review, but it's a lot of soppy kind of frolicking around in foliage in the grass by the two main characters. Um, it's not really like the other cannibal films. I mean, it's got animal cruelty in it, which is obviously not great, but it's just, it's more like a kind of love story more than anything else. So I wasn't all that engaged with it. Very true. My number 42 is the original 1978 Toolbox Murders. Um, it's a classic staple title in the video nasties, which is like world renowned. Um, it starts off fairly well. The concept is great. Ski masked killer running around an apartment complex with the contents of a toolbox to kill them with. But then it just gets fucking weird. Um, and he's got this young girl uh, tied to a bed and yeah it's all a bit kind of sick and twisted so uh, it's okay and they did make a remake of this with because the premise is quite strong but it's not that high on my list because it does kind of wane as it goes along yeah I mean I've got this as my number 41 as well and I agree like the first 30 minutes are very fast paced there's a lot happening it's quite sleazy and very matter of fact it all feels very uncomfortable particularly the death with the nail gun of the naked woman in the bath playing with herself <laughs> so that's at least memorable. After that, though, the film does fall off a cliff and it's got a lot of bad acting in it. It's got a lot of cheesy country music on the track, uh, on the soundtrack, rather. And, you know, it's all right. It's not a film that I really would want to watch again, though. <laughs> My number 41 is the bad, good movie Zombie Creeping Flesh. Um, if you like zombie movies and you like cheesy effects, then you should watch this again, like with your friends, with a few beers or whatever, just for a laugh because it is like silly and cheesy. Um, but I did really enjoy this film. It is quite fun. <laughs> it certainly is. However, the next film I'm going to talk about is most certainly not fun. It is uh, number 40 on my list is Gestapo's Last Orgy. <laughs> which is by far the best of the Nazi exploitation films on this list. It's definitely a lot better shot. It's a lot more stylish and it actually kind of has something to say. It actually has, it's not just really a sex exploitation film. It's closer to something like The Night Porter or Salo. Um, it's a very, very nasty film. I do not recommend it to anyone who's easily offended at all. Um, I'm very happy I watched it. It didn't offend me, but yeah, this is a film that I can definitely never see being released uncut in the UK ever, quite frankly. Although it does come recommended from me if you want to try out the whole not exploitation thing. Indeed, yeah. My number 40 is um, The Werewolf and the Yeti starring Paul Nashi in full-on werewolf uh, prosthetic makeup. Um, you should probably watch it for that alone. 
Um, but as the title implies, there is a big fight between a werewolf and a yeti. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's also like some kind of uh, ritualistic um, evil women in it who are quite sexy and lure a guy in. Um, but generally, this is excellent because of Paul Nashi and because of werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Reason enough to recommend the film. Uh, my number 39 is a film that in my review I did kind of say was really boring, but is actually not on a second watch, which is Axe. Mm. So this is a kind of low-budget American film. It's got a very weird kind of offbeat, surreal feel, a la sort of maybe a razor head. Um, it feels very, very odd. It's quite slow, I'm not going to lie, but it's only about 60 minutes long. It doesn't have a lot of dialogue. And it is very, very well made. Um, and for a home invasion film, it's not actually very sleazy, although the characters' intentions are kind of similar to what they would be in most of these kind of films. Um, but yeah, I actually do kind of highly recommend it if you want to see a good example of low-budget 70s American filmmaking. I agree with you. Also, your cat is crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, okay, uh, so I agree with you. My number 39 is the lesser known Flesh for Frankenstein, which I do actually highly recommend. Um, it is basically a film starring Udo Kier, who we do love, um, where a Baron, Baron Frankenstein creates an amalgamation of two zombies um, together to... to plan to get them to mate to create a master race um it's very campy it's very over the top um it's ridiculous but it's quite endearing as well it's got a certain charm to it um it's very interesting and i'm glad that i watched it for the first time um, when i did this podcast because it is definitely a staple horror watch Okay, uh, my number 38 is a film that Rhea has already mentioned because it's got a werewolf in it and Paul Nashi, uh, which is why it's good. It's The Werewolf and the Yeti, which is from the same school of thought as Alien vs. Predator and Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus. <laughs> so um, it kind of reminded me of a Hammer film in the way it looks. Um, it's actually quite fun. Um, it's got a lot of characters in it that just are there to die and they die, which is fair enough. I actually was a bit underwhelmed by the werewolf yeti battle right at the end of the film but it's uh yeah it's a pretty enjoyable film i would say it's uh, one i kind of recommend <laughs> excellent my number 38 is a jess franco film called bloody moon um probably a bit higher up on the list than most because of the epic deaths in this film the backstory is a little strange that girls go to a language school in spain um, and then they get killed. Um, but there's an excellent um, bandsaw death and lots of blood, decapitation and so on and so forth. Uh, it's quite action-packed and it's by Jess Franco, so maybe you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my number 37, I've got Don't Look in the Basement, which despite its name, is not a Lucio Fulci film. It's about the world's most relaxed sanatorium where... 
you know, patients are just free to kind of get up, wander around as they please and have access, which does lead to sort of uh, hijinks developing quite early on in the film, shall we say. Um, for a film that's got a really low budget, it's very well acted and it's got very, very well developed characters. And the plot does sort of build up really well and it gets very, very intense in the last 15 minutes. The only reason I don't have it quite higher on the list is because, yeah, it is very, very low budget. And at times it does feel kind of a bit like a play as opposed to a film. But other than that, it is one that I actually do recommend that people take a look at. Excellent. My number 37 is Anthropophagus, um, which is basically a very tall, grotesque killer um, man who slaughters town residents um, on a remote island and I think I quite enjoyed this because of the killer actually and his character and the acting behind that. Um, It's not an incredible film um, and the special effects are quite terrible Um, but it is quite interesting and like a decent horror film to watch. Cool. So halfway through the list now, my number 36 is the infamous Cannibal Ferox, also known as Make Them Die Slowly, which is a very nasty film. Um, It is very similar to Cannibal Holocaust, but it is less well made and it's less well developed with its themes. However, like I said earlier, it's not necessarily a greatly made film. It's okay, but it is very infamous and it has some very infamous moments, particularly involving people getting hung up by their breasts or people's penises getting cut off and stuff like that. It also does have a very funky soundtrack, which is uh, kind of cool, quite like that. But yeah, you kind of have to watch it if you're into fucked up shit like we are. <laughs> My number 36 is the aforementioned Axe which is actually a really well-made and quite dark movie, and much as the title implies, there is axe death in this. Uh, The premise is pretty good, actually. It's three criminals that go on a murder spree, and they arrive at this farmhouse where a girl is living with her paralysed grandfather, Um, and, uh, yeah, chaos ensues. Uh, She retaliates, and that's when it gets interesting. So, I mean, it's not amazing, but this film was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and it is really quite an interesting watch. Okay, my number 35 is, uh, Riz already mentioned it, Anthropophagus, which is a very atmospheric film, um, although it is a bit slow, and there are long periods where not a lot happens. But it's very infamous, particularly for a scene where George Eastman's character, the Beast, rips out a pregnant woman's stomach and rips out a baby, which doesn't look so great nowadays. Um, but it is a film I actually do quite highly recommend if you want to watch sort of quite interesting sort of European horror from 1980, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> My number 35 is Greg's aforementioned Don't Look in the Basement, which is actually nothing to do with the basement whatsoever. It's <laughs> uh, it's about a, a psychiatric asylum, um, which is actually surprisingly very good. Um, it's a great premise. Um, a young nurse goes to work there and then she experiences all kind of weird varying degrees of torment from the patients um, each patient and each uh, character in this film is very well developed and it's such a likeable watch that it kind of makes you wish that they would remake it because it's not entirely uh, well made or high budget but it is a good film 
Cool. Number 34, I've got a film that Rhea had much lower down her list than this. It's Night School, also known as Terror Eyes. This is a slasher film from the 80s. It's more similar to a Jallo, really, more than anything else, because you don't know who the killer is. All the deaths in it are decapitations. It's kind of stylish, but it's got some very silly moments in it. For example, there's a scene where um, there's a body painting scene in the shower, which is quite odd. Um, it also quite frankly puts the teaching profession in a bad light because they all seem to want to fuck their students. Um, it is quite fun though. So if you want to watch a slasher film from the 80s that you might not have heard of before, this one comes highly recommended from me. Agree, yeah. My number 34 is The House on the Edge of the Park, which is a um, home invasion film at a posh party at a villa um and it's it's not bad yeah i mean it's pretty decent film with some quite um interesting forms of torture in it and the dialogue's not all that bad but i mean it's not like a next level horror film it's quite predictable but a reasonable watch (laughs) uh my number 33 is a film that rear really didn't like it's visiting hours which is another 80 slasher film it's about the world's least secure hospital um, it's got a great performance in it by Michael Ironside as the killer. He's very, very intense and he's uh, very, very captivating on screen. Uh, the film is very, very highly polished, which maybe might be to its detriment because it might lack some kind of edge in terms of the deaths and things like that. But it's got some interesting ideas about uh, misogyny and women's rights and it's got some quite good suspenseful scenes. So um, I like this one a lot more than Rhea did, clearly. <laughs> um I think I've marked this one as my 33 because it's terrible. So it's probably got a reasonable score because I found it absolutely hilarious at the time. So it's Night of the Demon and it is basically um, students and a professor looking for Bigfoot and then they disturb a black magic ritual and uncover the truth and there's lots of deaths happening. But it is utterly... It's such a low-budget film. It's so terribly made, and the deaths are absolutely hilarious. So only watch this if you want to watch something terrible to laugh at. (laughs) Okay, at number 32, I've got a film called Cannibal Apocalypse, which is by Antonio Margariti. This is about three different films thrown together in a blender. So you've got a Vietnam film, you've got Rambo, you've got a cannibal film, you've got a zombie film, you've got a Cronenberg film, plus weird elements like dog bombs that we did mention uh, in the review. <laughs> um, this film, I you know, do appreciate it for its technical skill. It's quite a well-made film. It's okay, but I don't find it that amazing. Um, but I do have it quite high up on my list because, yeah, I can appreciate it for what it is. Okay, my number 32 is a cheap Mexican horror film called Night of the Bloody Apes featuring female wrestling, um, cheap gore, um, open heart surgery and the first ape to human heart transplant to cure a doctor's <laughs> son's leukemia um, I've got a lot of love for this film it's absolutely terrible but for some reason I just found this particular combination of elements very unique and very entertaining <laughs> it is very entertaining at number 31 I have the infamous I spit in your grave which caused Fen to get very very angry when we reviewed it um, I quite like it. It's got a very simple stripped down plot. Um, the acting is not great, but they're not 
really required to act or speak to each other that much so it actually works quite well the rape scenes are obviously very very difficult to watch so it's not really recommended for people who find that kind of thing unpleasant or what have you um it is very very infamous and the deaths are quite satisfying at the end so as far as rape revenge films go this is sort of one of the better ones out there Hmm. um my number 31 is cannibal ferox the umberto lenzi film um it's pretty staple cannibal film not up there as high up as uh, cannibal holocaust but it's almost as good as that probably even trying to be as good as that um but yeah i mean it's pretty standard um there's a lot of torture in it and and rape and you know a lot of shocking elements to this film um it's a reasonable watch um but probably one you're only going to watch once yeah or if you're like me several times um number 30 is another cannibal film one that Rhea's already mentioned and you'll be might be surprised as to how high up this is on my list it's mountain of the cannibal god which i changed my mind about since we initially reviewed it on the show um it's actually very very well directed it's directed by sergio martino um it's actually moves quite quickly so it's actually less boring than some other films of this type um it's got some very nasty bits it also has the infamous scene of the man fucking a pig which i did mention quite a few times when we reviewed it um which i thought was hilarious um but yeah it's uh films of this type bar obviously the main exception i do actually quite recommend this one (laughs) yeah Um, my number 30 is the house by the cemetery um it's got quite a nice atmosphere to this film um, it's a New England home being terrorised with murder and there's um, a gruesome secret hiding in the basement. Um, there are some great characters in this film. It's pretty damn creepy um, and it's directed by Lucio Fulci. Um, yeah, I mean, just very interesting. There's something very likeable about, about this film, although it's not like amazing. Okay, number 29, it's one of my uh, guiltiest pleasures of any films in my collection. It's Bloody Moon by Jess Franco, a film that is the epitome of so bad that it's fucking amazing. Um, It's got everything that you would want from a so bad it's good movie. So it's got absolutely awful dialogue. My favourite piece of dialogue is, I bet he's never even made it with a girl, the phony Spanish lover. (laughs) And uh, giant fake polystyrene looking boulders um it's got some pretty cool deaths in it um it's got sort of an interesting mystery i guess although that's not really what franco is good at but yeah if you want to watch a film that's amazingly bad but you will never be bored um then this is the one for me (laughs) um coming in number 29 it's another bad film um it's unhinged um, it's basically three college girls on the way to a jazz festival of all places that crash their car and they end up being taken in by a family in an old mansion. Um, there's a lot of uh, weird shit going on at this place and as it says as the title of the film, the family are incredibly unhinged. So I quite like how dark this film is. The dialogue's terrible, which is really funny. Um, but overall, it's quite a cool premise for a horror film. Yes, which is why it was remade, and the remake was awful. (laughs) Uh, Number 28, we've got Evil Speak, which stars Clint Howard as a character who is 
at a military academy and he gets bullied by all the other people at the academy. And uh, yeah, he finds an evil satanic computer and then um, yeah, shit goes down. And the last 10 minutes of this film is absolutely amazing. Um, this film also does feature one of my favourite kind of side elements, which is evil satanic pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah for eighties horror. It's pretty cheesy, but it's also really really fun. And yeah, it's about someone kind of who takes a lot of shit, but then gets their revenge in the end. So it's worth it for that as well. Okay, my number twenty eight is an, a lesser known Jess Franco film. Um, it's Women Behind Bars, um, considerably lower down on Greg's list, uh, but I actually quite like this film. Um, It consists of uh, a diamond heist and then women get imprisoned for said diamond theft and they're trying to find out where they've been kept. It does involve um, electric shock treatments to various parts of ladies' anatomy. Um, I quite like the characters. I quite liked the prison scenes. Um, Yeah, it's just quite interesting. It was different, so I quite like this film. Cool. Uh, number 27, I have another Jallo. This is Madhouse, otherwise known as There Was a Little Girl. Um, this is quite different from majority of Jallo because although it was made by Italians, um, it's actually an American cast and it's all in English. Um, it's slower paced than a lot of Jallo. In many ways, the plot is similar to uh, Happy Birthday to Me, the 80s slasher film. It's got a killer dog as a murder weapon, which is quite interesting. It's got some good suspense sequences in there. And um, overall, I uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. And in fact, I now own it on uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Excellent. My number 27 is Greg's aforementioned Killer Nun, which is a non-spoitation film, which is pretty ridiculous, but I did find this just quite interesting and different. Um, A demented nun who gets addicted to morphine and gradually becomes more mad and then she kind of gets involved with lesbianism, torture and death. Um, It's just a different film, quite quirky and I did find it it was very well shot and well put together but, you know, not perfect, just interesting. Uh, Number 26, I've got Eaten Alive, also known as Death Trap, directed by Toby Hooper. This is a very, very weird film. It's quite nightmarish. It's got like weird kind of primary colour sort of lighting. It's very intense. Um, You've got uh, the main character who's the killer, is very, very weird sort of Vietnam vet. It's got Robert England in it in one of his earliest roles as Buck, who is probably the best thing in the film. And uh, yeah, it's just a very, very weird film, but it's one that I quite like. Excellent. My number 26 is Greg's aforementioned Gestapo's Last Orgy, which is an exploitation film of, of the darkest form. It's actually quite a serious film, um, but there was something about it that I quite liked in that you really do feel like it's quite informative and fairly realistic and if you want to experience exploitation horror um, then you should watch this because I do think it's a horror staple. Cool and number 25 I've got another film which was directed by an Italian but is very American which is Nightmares in a Damaged Brain which is uh, definitely one of the more nihilistic films on the list. Um, It's very very disturbing, it's quite scuzzy, Um, it does sort of paint the psychiatric profession in a pretty bad light because they pretty much let this really mentally disturbed person out of uh, 
I was going to say prison, but that's not what I mean, but it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, it's got some bits that I don't really like. Like, it's got some annoying children in it. Um, but it is worth it just for seeing a child kill two people with an axe right at the end of the film. Um, so, yeah, it's um, quite highly recommended from me. But I think Rhea likes it more. <laughs> I do indeed. So, my number 25 is Night Train Murders, which is basically Last House on the Left, but um, on a train. And it's a couple of psychos that um, with a with a nymphomaniac woman who terrorised two girls on a train trip from Germany to Italy. Um, it's a very grim film, but again, I do feel that this is like a staple horror. Um, it is just utterly like grim as hell, and <laughs> that's the only reason that you should watch this. It's quite distasteful, but it's one of those that I feel like if you're a horror fan, you need to watch. Number 24 is a film that Rhea had way lower down on her list than me. It's just The Witch Who Came From The Sea, which, believe it or not, it's not about witches or things coming from the sea. It's actually about a woman who's coming to terms with the effect of child abuse that happened to her when she was a little girl. Um, it's very well acted by Millie Perkins. It's got a lot of interesting things to say sort of subtextually. Um, it's very, very 70s, though, which is why I don't think Rhea liked it very much. Um, it's got this kind of weird dreamlike feel. Um, yeah, I I really liked it. What can I say? <laughs> My number 24 is um, Island of Death, which is um, <laughs> an absolutely shockingly gruesome film about a couple of perverts who are maniac killers loose on a Greek island. It it pretty much ticks off anything obscene that you can think of on the list. Um, features goat rape and killing, um, and God knows what else. Uh, brother and sister <laughs> sex, um, whilst on the phone to their mother, and all kind of perverse action and death. Um, it just does not let up. It's incredibly shocking, but... I actually quite enjoyed this film because not only is it quite well made, but you just can't find this film boring. It's literally like nothing you have ever seen in your life. Um, it is just a roller coaster of a film. I, I can definitely agree with that. Um, so number 23 on my list is The House on the Edge of the Park by Ruggiero Diodato, starring David Hess in a very similar role to uh, another film on this list that we will come to later on. It's got a very, very good score by Riz Ortolani. Um, it's basically, like Ria said, it's a home invasion film. I mean, if you look at it on paper, not really a lot happens, but it is very, very interesting, and it's a very captivating film. It's very un-PC in a lot of ways. It's quite nasty. It's got a lot of hot, naked European women, which obviously, you know, hey, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, I did have an issue with the motivation of the characters in the film, but it is a very entertaining watch. So, uh, yeah, um, by all means, do watch it. Okay, my number 23 is Greg's aforementioned The, the Boogeyman, um, which is a 1980 horror, which is actually pretty... It's, it's kind of lame in a lot of ways, <laughs> with this evil mirror causing household objects to kill people. But there's a lot of charm to this. It's, it's kind of a, a very twee slasher, I would say. <laughs> worth a watch, unique, but you definitely don't need to watch the sequel. No, you definitely don't. 
Number 22, I have Flesh for Frankenstein, which is directed by Paul Morrissey uh, under the Andy Warhol banner. This stars Udo Kier using his amazing German accent, and he is definitely the highlight of the film. This is basically like a more ridiculous Hammer film. It's got incest, it's got necrophilia, it's got men looking for the perfect nasum and things like that. <laughs> Um, this is originally shot in 3D, so you've got lots of objects randomly being thrust at the audience. It's incredibly camp, and I'll sign off this one saying, To no death, Otto, you have to fuck life in the gallbladder. <laughs> Very funny. My number 22 is one called Absurd. Um, there's something that I quite liked about the atmosphere of this film. Again, I think it's the actor who plays the killer. It's played by George Eastman again. Um, it's a 1981 film about a priest that comes to a town to get rid of this monster whose blood coagulates very fast. <laughs> it's quite a weird one, but I just quite enjoyed the main character and the killer in this and thought it was worth a watch. Cool. Number 21, I've got the other Toby Hooper film on the Video Nazis list. This is The Fun House, which is yet another film that he directed about a strange family. Um, it's incredibly well directed. It's got a great kind of opening scene. Um, it's got a lot of atmosphere to it. Um, it's got a really cool kind of villain who's the dude with the uh, Frankenstein's monster mask on. Um, it's very subversive for a slasher film, so there are certain tropes in it that, like the final girl, where it doesn't go like how you would expect. It's got a really good score. And uh, yeah, it's a great film. I have no idea why it's on the video nasties list, because it's not nasty at all. But hey, it's uh, if you like your slasher films and you like Toby Hooper, then you should definitely watch this. Excellent. My number 21 is Nightmare Maker, also known as Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, which um, I enjoyed very much. It's about an orphan teenager who finds himself being dominated by his aunt. Um, it's very dark. Um, I just found this really interesting. There are some excellent torturing and deaths in this film, and it is quite harrowing and directed by William Asher. Cool. Number 20, we're moving into the top 20 now. We've got Driller Killer, which is one of the more infamous video nasties on the list. Um, a lot of people, when they come to this one, just expect it's about a man who kills people with a drill. And it is, but the story is actually a lot more similar to something like Repulsion. It's a lot more psychological than people realise. It's also punk as absolute fuck. It's very scuzzy. Um, the acting isn't great, but believe it or not, it actually kind of fits within the tone and style of the film that the director's trying to do. Um, yeah, the deaths are obviously very violent. And yeah, it's very rough around the edges, but I actually do really like it. I am, believe it or not, I mean, I am a huge fan of the director. So yeah, this is probably his most well-known film. So yeah, watch it. Yeah, um, my number 20 is a Mario Bava film called Bay of Blood. Um, it's got quite a nice feel to this film. It's um, the murder of a wealthy heiress by her husband, which triggers brutal killings in the surrounding Bay Area. And yeah, brutal it is. Um, it's got some excellent, very interesting deaths in this. Well worth a watch. And yeah, I, I rate this quite highly. Cool. Number 19, we've got the aforementioned by Rhea, Island of Death, which, as she mentioned on the show when we reviewed it, is fucking relentless, because it is. 
It's uh, incredibly politically incorrect, so if you're easily triggered, please don't watch this film. Rhea's basically already mentioned most of the uh, stuff in it that happens. One thing she didn't mention is Golden Showers, <laughs> which is uh, one of the highlights of the film. It's also got a, a pretty interesting sort of Greek score featuring the amazing song Destination Understanding, which is a highlight. Um, yeah, it's a very entertaining film, definitely, one I'm very proud to own. Okay, my number 19 is the classic renowned Last House on the Left. Um, it's one of the key rape revenge films of um, horror historically. It's a 1972 film directed by a much loved Wes Craven. Um, and it's basically two teenage girls going to a rock concert for somebody's, one of them's birthday, and they get kidnapped and brutalized by a gang of psychotic convicts, one of whom is a woman, and it's very dark and evil. Um, it's definitely an unsettling film, but I just feel like everybody should see this film if you like the horror genre. Okay, number 18, I've got a film that neither of us have mentioned yet, which is Don't Go In The House which is a very dark film, but it's not really sleazy and it's not really grimy like other sort of similar films that I've mentioned. It's got a very, very good central performance by Dan Grimaldi as as Donnie. Um, obviously, it's about sort of a character burning people. There is one very, very uncomfortable death in it where a woman basically gets set on fire. Um, the film then becomes a little bit more... I wouldn't say uplifting, that's probably the wrong word, but there's uh, some <laughs> awesome scenes in the middle where he decides he wants to try and be normal and he goes shopping for like disco clothing <laughs> and there's some awesome disco music in this as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, overall a very, very good film. It's, yeah, it's uh, one worth watching, I would say. Yeah, agree. My number 18 is I Spit on Your Grave, the classic 1978 rape revenge film, um, world-renowned. Um, everybody knows that this film is grim as hell. Um, there's repeat gang rape in this film. And it is actually quite a well-written and very well-executed film. Um, I feel like you do gain something by watching this. It's one of those that's very thought-provoking. Everybody has a different angle on this film, a different view. Um, and it's quite high up my film list for the video nasties because I feel like it's a classic and a staple, although a very uncomfortable watch. Cool. Um, another film on my list that Rhea really didn't like is my number seventeen is Fight for Your Life, which is sort of a black exploitation film. It's not a horror film really at all. Um, it does have one character using a lot of very very racist dialogue, which is why it would never ever be released on DVD here ever. But what I think it has is it has very, very well-developed characters with very, very sort of uh, convincing motivations. Like, so you've got the family and you've got the three criminals, particularly William Sanderson, who's Jesse Lee Kane. Uh, I mean, it's not a very, very nice film, but it's very, very well-made. It's very well-paced. Um, yeah, I just think it's a very good film. And uh, I recommend it even if Rhea doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My number 17 is... Um, Dario Argento's Tenebrae of 1982. Um, all of his films visually are, are quite amazing. This is um, only 17 on my list because it's not as interesting as some of his others. Um, it's basically about a writer in Rome being stalked by a serial killer um, and this person is harassing and killing anybody associated with his latest book. Um, it's pretty damn good, hence 
you know, it's by Argento, you should watch this. Hence, it's my number 17, but um, I definitely have higher things on my list to talk about. Number 16, I've got Last House on the Left by Wes Craven, so very infamous, one of the more well-known films on the Video Nasties list. Um, the reason it's very effective is because it has a documentary feel, which is quite similar to like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so everything feels like it's really happening. Um, it's very unpleasant in places, like obviously the rape scenes in the middle. Um, it's got quite good music, I think, and in comparison to the remake, it's actually quite lean, so there isn't a lot of filler. The comedy cops I could really do without. Not Well, I know why they're in there, but you know they really, really stand out. It's very, very ill-fitting. Um, but yeah, it's a classic, and it's a classic for a reason, so you should watch it if you haven't done so already. Yeah, my number 16 is Greg's aforementioned Madhouse. It's also titled There Was a Little Girl. Um, I really enjoyed this film. It's very dark, got great atmosphere, set in a big mansion and very similar to Happy Birthday to Me, um, about a woman being pursued by a murderous psycho twin sister in the days leading up to their birthday who is um, residing in the local men mental institution. Um, she escapes to gatecrash at a surprise birthday party and there's uh, a killer dog in this which is very very creepy um overall i just really liked this film like the premise and just excellently paced throughout okay my number 15 is the burning which is an 80s slasher film it's a staple of 80s slasher films it's my opinion the best summer camp slasher film it's even better than friday the 13th it's a very very fun movie all the characters are likable even the bully character is likable um, it's got makeup effects by tom savini so that obviously it's the cropsy makeup effects which are really good and also the gore effects um, this does feature the amazing raft massacre which is definitely one of the best sort of death scenes in any kind of video nasty or slasher film and yeah it's really really good fun if you like your slasher films this is definitely one you should have seen already awesome my number 15 is toby hooper's death trap also known as eaten alive um which features um freddy krueger himself robert england in his very early young days um uh, it's set as like a psycho redneck in a dilapidated hotel in rural East Texas. Um, it's cheaply made, but visually the Starlight Hotel um, with a swamp around it with a killer crocodile is so interesting to watch. Um, it's beautifully lit and staged. It kind of looks like a jolly film set with its primary colours, um, but that makes it even more appealing. It does have like a certain charm to it, and I very much liked the swamp and the hotel with the killer crocodile. Cool. Lucio Fulci had three video nasties that we reviewed on the last show. Uh, number 14 is the first of them on my list, which is The House by the Cemetery, which is one of his films that doesn't really make any sense. Um, it's incredibly gory, as is natural for a Fulci film. It's got a great score. It's got kind of an interesting atmosphere and a very weird enigmatic ending. It does, however, unfortunately suffer from really bad dubbing of Bob the child who uh yeah sounds horrendous but yeah if you like films that are a bit weird but are still incredibly gory and if you want to know where uh the film we are still here got the idea of its plot form then yeah watch this film excellent my number 14 is um lucio fulci's the beyond um which it has fantastic atmosphere it's about a young woman who inherits an old hotel in louisiana 
um, and there are a series of supernatural accidents and then she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances to hell. Um, it does feature kind of blind, creepy characters, like blind, creepy woman and um, some fantastic atmosphere and score to this. Uh, I think it's a, a really surprisingly great film once you sit down to watch it. Unlucky for some, number 13, I've got Dead and Buried, which is a very, very mainstream horror film to be appearing on a list like this. Um, it's got incredibly vicious deaths, which is the best thing about it. Uh, the film itself, it feels like kind of an episode of The Twilight Zone, I guess. It also feels kind of similar to something like Stepford Wives and The Fog. Um, it's got a really, really good kind of twist ending. And uh, yeah, it's incredibly underrated in terms of 80s horror. So uh, yeah watch it. My number 13 is Greg's aforementioned classic staple video nasty, The Driller Killer, which is probably one of the first ones I ever heard about growing up. Um, and yeah, I absolutely love this film. It's not particularly well made and it's a little slow paced, but it's punk rock as fuck. Um, it stars and is directed by Abel Ferrara. Uh, it's set in New York and uh, the repetition in this film really makes it build up it's very, very unique and features a lot of deaths, especially of uh, hobos or tramps on, on the street um, by a rather insane artist struggling to pay his bills. You should watch this if you like horror. <laughs> Number 12, I've got uh, what is essentially Last House on the Left, but on a train. It's Night Train Murders which is directed by Aldo Lardo. Um, it's a very well-directed film. It feels very uncomfortable. The central kind of rape and murder set pieces are incredibly uncomfortable. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, really, really good. And it's incredibly stylish. And yeah, there's not really a lot more I can say to it other than that, really. Okay, my number 12 is Dario Argento's, um, one of my favourites of his. It's Inferno, 1980 film. Um, it's a giallo, um, as Greg loves so much. And it's about... Uh, an American college student in Rome um, and his sister in New York and they're both investigating killings on both locations um, which reveals uh, covens of witches. It's absolutely beautifully shot. Um, there's like an amazing old um, antique shop um, which is beautiful. Um, the colours in this are, are fantastic. Amazing acting and just generally, yeah, it's a beautiful film um definitely recommend this cool and number 11 is another film that Rhea really didn't like and this is a bit of an anomaly because it's more this is more of like an art house film this is the cannibal man which is a spanish horror film it is like Rhea said it's about a, a guy who accidentally kills his girlfriend then he accidentally kills someone else trying to cover it up and so on and so forth um it's got a lot of interesting kind of themes going on under the surface and it's got a lot more depth than the majority of films of this type and yeah if you want to watch something a little bit different um then yeah by all means go for it, it might not necessarily be to everyone's taste as Rhea's kind of demonstrated here Again, no idea why it's a video nasty because it's not actually that kind of cannibal film. The cannibalism in this film is actually accidental. Excellent. My number 11 is Greg's aforementioned Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. Um, it's about a boy who experiences some trauma, who then becomes a mental patient and escapes 
from the hospital to um, kill innocent people and he's interested in one family in particular. It's just very gruesome. Um, there's some excellent deaths in this film. Quite liked all of the um, twists in the plot and just the general feel of this film. It's um, quite underrated and, and like rarely known splatter film. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was pretty damn awesome. Okay, we are now moving into the top 10, finally. I guess you guys have been waiting for long enough. So, at number 10, I've got Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, otherwise known as just Nightmare Maker, Night Warning, or The Evil Protégé. Um, I'd never actually seen this film before we started this series, and I was very, very surprised at how good this was. Um, this is a very, very well-acted film, especially by Susan Terrell as the increasingly unhinged aunt character. You've got themes of incest, also themes of homosexuality. It's uh, quite character-driven. All the characters are at least interesting, you know, even if some of them you're not really supposed to like. It gets really, really intense sort of near the end. I got really, really into it as the film went on. And uh, yeah, all I would say is like someone needs to release this film on DVD because it's far, far too good to be hidden away just, you know, on the internet for people like us to find. Agree. Yeah. Getting to my number 10, it's Toby Hooper's The Fun House, which is quite different to a lot of his other films. A lot more polished as um, Universal were involved with this. Um, It's a 1981 film basically set in a fun house in the carnival. Um, And... They're stalked by a deformed man in a Frankenstein mask. Um, it's your typical kind of teen 80s slasher film, um, but the sets are amazing. Um, it is a little too polished for me, but um, I really do feel this is a staple horror film and quite underrated. It's a lot of fun, and um, visually I just really liked this film. Cool. Number nine, we've got Dario Argento's Inferno, which is the film he did after Suspiria. Um, The first half of this film is absolutely amazing. It actually might be one of the best things that Argento ever did. Um, It's got amazing production design. It's got an amazing score by Keith Emerson. It's incredibly stylish. It's been stylized to within an inch of its life. There's almost no dialogue in it for like the first 45 minutes. Plot something about keys. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't make sense, but it's fine. Um, it's just really a collection of really awesome set pieces. The second half is unfortunately not quite as good, otherwise the film would be much, much higher on my list. But yeah, if you love Argento, if you like really, really weird shit, then you really have to watch this because it's awesome. Yeah, um, uh, my number nine is the daddy of all cannibal movies. It's Cannibal Holocaust, probably the most renowned um most um renowned band film on the video nasties list and probably the most offensive um with um island of death coming in at a close second i reckon um cannibal holocaust is um has been cut due to so much controversy it's basically cannibals in an amazon rainforest and a professor stumbling across this um with a finding lost film shot by a missing documentary crew um this is basically where mockumentary horror started um there's quite a lot of animal 
cruelty in this it's directed by Rigero Diodato and excellently acted and does even still feel quite realistic despite us now knowing that it's got that mockumentary feel to it um overall fantastic and grim as hell very difficult and very uncomfortable to watch but it's iconic absolutely iconic you must see this film cool uh, number eight I've got A Bay of Blood, otherwise known as Bloodbath, Twitch of a Deaf Nerve, and about a million other titles, is directed by the great Mario Bartha. It's incredibly inspirational to Friday the 13th. Uh, you have this to thank for that's existence, basically. Um, it's very, very well shot by Bartha himself. Um, it's got a great introduction, so the first sort of 10 minutes or so don't have any dialogue, but it sets up sort of the first two deaths of the film. It's got great effects and the gore sequences by Carlo Rambaldi. Um, it doesn't have a central character and the plot can be very, very hard to follow. But in terms of Jallo, um, this comes, you know, really highly recommended. Um, although Barva did make better Jally than this, um, in terms of kind of slasher films, if you want to see where maybe slasher films came from, then yeah, you need to watch this film. Excellent. My number eight is um, a classic 80s horror film that I think you need to see called, nine, uh, called Evil Speak in 1981. Um, and it's about an outcast military cadet tapping into summon demons and cast spells with an evil computer does feature as Greg mentioned satanic pigs um, and incredible church sets Um, and yeah just generally it's a well-rounded underrated film that I think a lot of people don't know about love 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 the feel to this film and um, the characters in it are very endearing um, Stanley Cooper Smith or Cooper Dick as they nickname in the film um, played by Clint Howard um, I just think this film is excellent Okay, number seven is another Lucio Fulci film this is Zombie Flesh Eaters otherwise known as Zombie 2 this is the best Italian zombie movie um, this has got two of the most famous kind of set pieces in any zombie film so you've got a zombie versus shark fight I guess and you've got probably the most infamous death in most horror films really which is the splinter to the eye it's got the best looking zombies of any zombie film out there it's also got a great score by Fabio Fritzi it's just a lot of fun really and yeah if you uh, like your zombie films then really you've got no excuse not to have seen this one already I mean I've seen it like five or six times for some reason because <laughs> it's just as I said, it's just a really fun one yeah, my number seven is Greg's um, before mentioned The Burning, which is a classic slasher that kind of got downplayed at the time due to other slashers being more appealing than it. But it's still a staple 80s slasher that you should see featuring um, our killer who got horribly burnt, um, who's a former camp caretaker, um, Cropsy who goes around disfiguring the teenagers. Um, it's a really great kind of standard teen slasher plot, um, but it really works. It's got some amazing death scenes, and as with most 80s slashers, it's set on a summer camp, and definitely need to see this film. It's one of the kind of lesser-known classics. 
At number six, it's another European zombie film, this time a bit earlier in the 70s. It's The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, or Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, or again, about a million other titles. Not actually set in Manchester, believe it or not. Um, This has got really, really strong character work. It's got really, really good zombies. It's got really good sound design. Um, It makes really, really good use of the northern countryside. It's got very, very good use of northern dialects like this. So all the characters that are meant to talk like this do talk like this. Um, It's very, very entertaining. It's... uh, Definitely one that you have to watch if you like zombie movies, similar to Zombie Flesh Eaters. And uh, it's probably, I would say, one of Electric Wizard's favourite films because they've actually named a song after it. (laughs) Excellent. Um, My number six is uh, one that Greg's already mentioned, which is Zombie Flesh Eaters, um, which is, yeah, as Greg says, the best Italian zombie movie. Um, The cheap special effects in this make it absolutely amazing um it does feature a badass um crab that should have its own credit in this film um the zombies look so decomposing and decrepit and slow moving it's got a fantastic um soundtrack to this and it's incredibly well made it it bears up really well and fantastic zombie acting in this definitely a really fun one that you can gather around with some friends to watch while you have a chat and drink some beers but equally um for me i think this would be a repeat watch i would probably watch this like several times yeah yeah absolutely like me um number five is another lucio fulci film it's the third one on my list it's the beyond which is probably one of my favourite Fulci films. Uh, Similar to The House by the Cemetery, this has a very, very kind of nightmarish, irrational, dreamlike quality to it. Um, But it's just a lot more brutal. Um, It's got amazing production design because everything looks like it's decaying. Um, It's got the infamous scene where you've got basically loads of flesh-eating tarantulas just appear out of nowhere for some reason <laughs> doesn't doesn't really matter really um yeah it's definitely definitely one that if you've not seen it then you have no excuse not to watch it so my number five is um a very iconic movie that you need to see from 1981 called possession um it's absolutely a shocking horror film that is definitely underrated um, it's a woman that starts um, acting increasingly disturbing after asking her husband for a divorce um, and suspicions of infidelity soon give way to something much more sinister. Um, it is what it says really, it's like a possessed love affair but it's grim as hell, it's got amazing um, special effects in it um, and creature effects and um, it's dark as fuck um plus it has kind of this hellraiser feel to it um it's quite a difficult watch and there's a couple of scenes in it in particular that are really kind of out there and quite offensive but in terms of horror i was so impressed with this film i'm really glad that i watched it it is pretty damn amazing Cool. At my number four, it's the highest rated of the cannibal films. It's Cannibal Holocaust by Ruggiero Diodato, which is probably the nastiest nasty on the whole list. 
what is there to say about this that hasn't been said already? So it's got an amazing score by Riz Ortolani. It's incredibly difficult to watch in places. It's unbelievably violent. It's the first example of found footage, I think, in any film. Um, but it's not just like a really violent sort of sickening film there actually is a lot going on under the surface like for example sort of how the media can be really really sensationalist and really immoral um the animal cruelty you could argue i mean look i'm against kind of killing animals i love animals but in comparison to other films of this type the animal cruelty actually serves a purpose to the plot because it makes the the uh, documentary crew look really bad as opposed to look it's a snake killing a monkey just cause yeah. so yeah it works really really well um the ending is absolutely awesome i love it it's one of my favorite italian horror films you are right it's very well-rounded and moralistic even so definitely one to watch um, coming in at number four for me, getting very close to the top here, it's Greg's aforementioned 1981 Dead and Buried, um, which I just thought was incredible. It's such an atmospheric um, film, as Greg mentioned, it's quite sort of Twilight Zone-esque. It's got some really gory murders, it's got a super interesting plot um, and some excellent twists. Uh, I just loved the premise and the kind of atmosphere to this film would definitely watch again it's so underrated um really 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 recommend this you definitely need to see it mm, agree at number three we're entering the top three now it's uh my favorite giallo on the list this is also by dario argento this is tenebrae which is an amazing giallo it's one of the best jally out there um, so it's incredibly stylish. Um, the death scenes in it are, I would say, almost musical-like because they're incredibly stylized and choreographed. Um, the cinematography is excellent. Um, it's, you've got, for example, um, because of how well shot it is, for example, you've got a crane shot, which is absolutely amazing, about 20 minutes into the film. Um, but also for a giallo it's actually surprisingly kind of interesting because it's quite self-reflexive so the main character is a stand-in for Dario Argento himself because he was accused of misogyny and things like that like the main characters in this film and the mystery element works really well which is obviously very very important in a giallo and yeah it's awesome it's I would say probably one of my top five favorite giallo that there are Excellent. Coming in at number three for me is one that Greg's mentioned before. It's Don't Go in the House, which um, actually just blew me away. It's a very, very grim, shocking slasher film about a victim of child abuse. Um, he stalks women at discos, takes them home, trains them up in a special steel walled room and sets them on fire. He's got a flamethrower. This film is dark as fuck and I was not prepared for this, but I really, really loved it. I would highly recommend this film. It's different. It's, it is what a horror film should be. It's just incredibly dark. <laughs> yeah, it is. You are not wrong. So I've only got two left. Number two, it's the most famous film on the list. It's The Evil Dead, directed by Sam Raimi. This is one of the most famous horror films from the 1980s, and it's the best example that I can think of 
where you don't need a huge budget to make a really, really good horror film. And because you've got no budget, doesn't give you an excuse to make shit horror films. So the camera work in this film is absolutely amazing. Um, there's a lot of visual storytelling used in the camera work. Um, you've, it's actually got good jump scares in it for a change as opposed to the shit ones that we get nowadays. Um, it's actually got enough, a couple of really, really interesting surrealist elements near the end. Um, it's just a really, really good film. It's incredibly iconic, obviously, because it's the Evil Dead. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah, there isn't really a lot more else to say other than, like, obviously you knew it was going to be very, very high on both our lists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I leave it to you. Yeah, my number two is the exact same. It's The Evil Dead, um, the first Cabin in the Woods film. Very forward-thinking, iconic for its time, um, incredibly well-creatively directed by Sam Raimi, um, starring the amazing Bruce Campbell and um, a combination of possession and zombie-like demonic themes in a film that that can only rival the exorcist and other films so such high highly regarded in horror um it's an amazing film like i cannot really fault it it still stands up today um even though this was made in 1981 <laughs> so those of you who've made it to the end i thank you very much this is what you've been waiting for now if you've been paying attention you should be able to guess this already but my number one video nasty is drum roll mm-hmm. it's possession by andre zawowski which is the longest video nasty on the list but it's quite interesting because i'm going to make this comparison at the end if you look at how the camera is used in this film compared to how the camera is used in the ghastly ones it's actually kind of similar because the camera moves a lot around the characters however in the ghastly ones it's just a guy with a camera going like just around all the characters there's no kind of thought as to what the camera is doing or anything like that it's just whizzing around them whereas in this how it actually works is because of the breakdown of the relationship between the characters it actually works really well in the intensity of the film itself so it really adds to it it creates this really unsettling vibe um the acting in this film is absolutely fucking incredible particularly from isabel johnny um it's incredibly surreal i mean fuck you know just watch it <laughs> it'll make sense um there's a scene where a johnny's character has some kind of abortion or miscarriage in a subway that is just you know needs to be seen to be believed quite frankly um, I wouldn't say this film is like really, really disturbing or anything like that, but it's just in terms of like filmmaking and things like that, this is just, you know, it's just so, so good. And like I said on the show when we reviewed it, it's actually one of my favourite horror films from the 80s. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, definitely by far, even compared to Evil Dead, this is by far the best film on the list. Excellent. And coming in at number one for me, it's the probably lesser-known zombie movie, Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Um, <laughs> true to my uh, 
part of the country that I'm from. It's actually not set in Manchester, as Greg said, but I do feel that this is a classic zombie movie. It's very, very underrated. Uh, it's set out in the beautiful British countryside. Um, it's quite a long film, but there's quite a lot going on in here. There's an amazing um, scene in a graveyard, which I just feel is so iconic. It's very well acted by Ray Lovelock. And um, it's one of those films that's quite early on in the zombie genre and does set the standard quite high for me. Um, excellent zombie acting, excellent acting all round and just overall just really enjoy this film. It's one that I can kind of never really get bored of. So we've come to the end of our top 72 lists. Um, so it's very, very interesting. You can see, obviously, myself and Ria, there are certain films that we feel really, really similar about, and there are certain films that we feel very differently about, which I guess is kind of how this thing is supposed to work. But yeah, very, very interesting. I didn't realise, you know, I know it's got Manchester in the title, but I didn't realise that, like, you know, you felt that strongly about it. Um, yeah, I have, I have had this on DVD since... Um, I was at uni and um, when I discovered it, I was just like, this is amazing. So yeah, it's still like, I think it's um, quite sort of sentimental to me as well in that I've liked it for a, a long, long time. Yeah, well, it's a great film. As are, I would say, sort of the top sort of 20 or so films on this list, they're really, really strong films. Um, now, just quickly to sort of round up sort of the video nasties themselves, um, Every show that we did where we talked about a video nasty, we did mention sort of how many deaths were in each film. Now, Rhea, as our death count girl, would you like to guess the death stomach, which is a term that you came up with, mm -hmm. of all the deaths in the video nasties put together? Ooh, um, right. Okay, let me take a guess. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, I am going to guess... Um, 1,400. Oh, wow. That's a lot of deaths. Um, it's not as high as that. No. Um, it's 951. Ooh. Which comes out to about 13 deaths per film. Oh, okay. Yeah, that does sound pretty, uh, standard. <laughs> which is quite a lot. Um, the film with the most deaths is, <laughs> is actually The Beast in Heat, which has nearly 100. <laughs> what was the lowest one do we know um oh it's actually um house on the edge of the park which actually only has two deaths oh, okay very interesting i'm shocked that i actually knew that off the top of my head but i did so uh there you go so that kind of just shows the disparity but yeah on average 13 deaths which is quite a lot mm -hmm. lucky 13 yes and also in case you were wondering because i'm sure you were um, in terms of how many of the 72 we actually thought should be video nasties, um, Rhea, I don't know if you can remember, but you said 31 of the 72 should be video nasties. Okay. And I said 17, but on reflection, I'm going to say 18, because uh, at the time when we recorded Love Camp 7, I said probably shouldn't have been a video nasty, but on reflection, I changed my mind, so I'm going to say 18, oh. so well, I probably shouldn't be put in charge of a DPP, let's put no, it that way. I was, gonna, about, I was about to sarcastically joke, oh, that's very lenient of you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm shocked it was 18, to be honest. I was expecting it to be much less than that. Like two. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, no, Cannibal Ferox, that's all right. We can release that. Oh, actually, interestingly, Cannibal Ferox is actually going to be released on DVD by Shameless oh, with only the animal cruelty cut. Yeah, okay. So who knows? They're maybe sort of slightly getting more lenient as time goes on. So there's more interest um, in horror these days, I reckon, so it might be that. Cool. So we've come to the end of our Video Nasty series, and this is a fitting epitaph, I think, for that series. But all good things, as good as they are, must come to an end, and we're going to be moving on to do something else. But we are halfway through 2018 somehow. We This slipped us by <laughs> because we're so busy doing the Video Nasty. So Ria, can you tell the lovely listeners what is happening on the next show? Yes, we have the mid-year 2018 general horror review of all the new releases. So throughout the year, I've been generally hitting up as many new films as possible um, just to see what's fresh and exciting out there. Um, so we'll be summarising a list of some of our very favourites. We're going to pick out sort of five each and cover ten. And um, one, one or two of those might include some of the very worst that we've experienced this year so far. So uh, do join us for that in a fortnight and then after that we'll be coming back with some brand new format material for you uh, which will keep us a surprise yes we absolutely are yes so we are going to be doing something in the same vein as the video nasties but we don't want to give too much away as Ria said as to what that is you will have to wait and see um, but yeah so the next show as Ria said we're doing a mid-year review so I'm really really very much looking forward to that um, if like I mentioned at the start of the show if you have never heard one of our Video Nasties reviews before and you want to get caught up and you want to listen to us review these films in more detail, our entire back catalogue is on iTunes and it's on YouTube and it's on all the various places that hosts our material, shall we say. And uh, yeah, if you want to keep track of everything that we're doing, particularly as it's coming up to Fright Fest time and there's a lot kind of going on in Fright Fest um, very, very soon. The lineup's actually going to be announced in about a week's time. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, then yeah, keep watch on our Facebook page. This is the Lament Configuration Horror Podcast. And thank you very much. I've been Def Count Girl reoffend again. Um, it's been amazing to witness all of the 72 video nasties in this ongoing project. Definitely up for reviewing more horror, so stay tuned for what else we're going to bring to the show. Um, it just keeps getting better every week, to be honest. Um, but um, yeah, I've been reoffend. You can find me on Facebook on my page, which has 73,000 followers. Thank you so much. It's incredible. Um, that's Ria F-E-N-D Fend. And my personal Instagram, well, for my, for my modeling and acting work, um, and Twitter is Ria underscore Fend. Um, so if you visit there you can keep updated with my latest modeling shots magazine features and other things that you can purchase um, featuring myself thank you very much Ria and I leave you very very fittingly with uh, one of the most iconic pieces of music from the video nasties it's an amazing track it's by Fabio Fritzi it's taken from zombie flesh eaters and it's the main theme it's amazing and uh, yeah I thank you very much for listening to all the video nasty shows and we'll see you again in two weeks time